McGregor. And with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com slash podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes, catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. Hey, lovely people. Are you enjoying the podcast? I keep hearing how great it is from people, and I sure hope that you're enjoying it too. Uh, in fact, I'm kind of hoping that you enjoy it enough to make a pledge of support for the podcast. I've created a Patreon which is a service that allows people to uh, make a donation or a commitment to donate towards supporting the podcast uh, every time I release a new episode. And I'm going to use that money to get professional transcriptions so that people who uh, prefer text to audio can still participate in this podcast and to help ramp up some of the equipment that I've been using to do this, which is, well, to be honest, getting a little rusty. Um, if you're interested in this, if this is something that you'd like to do, you can head on over to Patreon and search The Hermit's Lamp, or you can follow the link in the show notes. This won't change the free nature of the podcast, but it will get you some extra bonuses, and I'd appreciate it. So welcome to the next installment of The Hermit's Lamp podcast. I am here today with Enrique Enriquez to... Uh, talk about, well, I don't even know what. We'll see. We'll figure it out as we go. Um, for people who, who don't know who you are, Enrique, who are you? What, what's go, what are you about? What's going on? You know, I had that, maybe I told you this, but I, I, one night a few years back, a guy knocked on my door and I say hi, and the guy say, who is there? And I told the guy, I got really mad because this was a, a stranger knocking on my door and asking me who I was. So I told him, I don't know. And I opened the door and the guy was really puzzled. And I told him, why do you ask that question? It's taking me a lifetime to figure it out. I can't just be, you know, providing you with an answer like that. Who are you? So, yes. But I guess what I have noticed in the last five years, six years, maybe more, is that at some point, you know, my friends, my wife, everybody started saying that I was a poet. And I felt really nervous about this because I, I never thought that I was a poet. I understood that at the time, that was better than the alternative, right? He's a tarot reader or he's a whatever we do with those cards so after a while i decided let me give it a try i'm gonna tell people i'm a poet right and i remember maybe 15 years ago maybe more telling people i'm a tarot reader will be the perfect way to end a conversation people really freaked out and you know so okay i start saying i was a poet and every everybody will say that's wonderful except for architects. You know, architects are, are famously creative people, but they have no space for nonsense. So, of course, every time I told to somebody who was, has, had already identified himself as an architect, I'm a poet, they will just walk away, right? Hmm. But except for architects, it worked very well. The thing is, I, I'm... I don't know. I I mean, there was a, a delay or a, or a distance, a cognitive dissonance between me claiming to be a poet and what I actually do. And I do believe that there is poetry in, in, in life and there is much poetry in the tarot. But in maybe last year, I decided to go back to say, people, I, I work with tarot cards. I work with the tarot. I read tarot cards. And something has changed in the last 15 years because now people don't run away. They seem to be more open to it, more acceptant, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they like me better. But <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I spend most of my time thinking about the life of forms, thinking about the symbolic world, and trying to be a witness to that. And, and that only gets uh, derailed or interrupted by kids, right? Mm. Three kids, a wife, life, daily life. Yeah, sure. Same, yeah. same, thing, same thing on my end, those disruptions. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, mean, I think... Yes. I mean, one of the questions that I have, you know, because I, I've been on a journey kind of like you in some ways where um, I felt like for many reasons, ranging from personal definition to possibly more successful marketing avenues, I've been trying to distill what it is that I do, you know, and, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of oscillates between these different things because you know i think that i am a a an artist i think that i'm a psychologist and i think that i am uh, a wizard and you know <laughs> and none of, of those feel right you know none of those feel like the thing that i would ever be like go up to somebody and be like oh yeah i'm you know i'm i'm any of those things sort of independent of the others but there's this emphasis on being able to narrow it down to some kind of definition that, I, that I've sort of kind of keep brushing up against and keep trying to almost to run away from because I feel like it just starts to limit the, the flow of what's actually going on. Yes. Well, I, two things, right? One is that I do believe that I, I distrust neologisms. You know, people coin weird words to define what they do. And those words usually are failed words because they don't name what they name. So you, you say, I'm such and such thing. And then you have to explain to provide a definition of what that word means. Therefore, yeah. the word doesn't work because, you know, I don't have to define a dog every time I say dog. So I say I work with tarot cards and I say it that way. I don't say I read tarot cards because of course working with tarot means that I think about it first foremost. I guess I look at them with people. Sometimes I write about it. Sometimes I talk about it. But also I think that just the fact that I carry the tarot in my pocket, which is like having this, is the potential for the preposterous, right? It could happen at any moment. That's also my work with the tarot just having them. So usually that opens a conversation in which I can talk about those things. But then you have, you mentioned something that I think is, is also key these days, which is the problem of marketing. And of course my, my marketing is no marketing. I don't have a website. I don't have a blog. I don't have, I pretty much have nothing to sell. Oh, but you, every so often you have these wonderful, little postcard kind of images. What was the last one? Beautiful bullshit. Was that? Uh, But that was a talk I gave. Yes. And I decided to call it beautiful bullshit because in a sense, that's what I think it is. Right. Uh, uh, um, You know, this is the thing. I, I do feel that I aspire at acquiring some sort of poetic imagination. And I think that that is real and that is out there and you can see people who have that. I mean, yesterday or the day before I was uh, watching an interview to an Italian painter, Sandro Chia, and he say, the painting you make that you hang on a wall is the head of the Minotaur. It's just proof that you went all the way to the center of the labyrinth and came back. Mm. Wow. You know, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. And, and again, I can levitate on that for a week. So that's what I mean. A, a, a poetic intelligence, a poetic imagination will be able to explain uh, painting in those terms. So I yeah. hope to acquire that. Well, I, I do think that, yes. When, when you and I, uh, recently I was in New York for a conference and I had Enrique and I got together for coffee before I hopped on a bus back. And uh, one of the things that came, came, you said during that time, which really uh, resonated with me was how when you read things, 
you read until you, something hits you and then you stop and you're like, oh, now I need to think about that for a week or for yes. however long, right? And yes. I feel like there's, in, in your approach, and, and I think that the world would be more magical in some ways if we had more space to just chew on those things for longer periods of time, right? The minute I agree. Huh, what, what, what does it's that good. mean? Right? How do we live like exactly. that? How do I, you know, what, what is, does that mean? Yeah. The tarot is the string then that got us there and got us back. What's, what's going on? What are these metaphors? How do they yes. expand into our lives? Yes. And, and maybe I can tie that up with the, the marketing idea. I, I think that it's very important to stay with an idea for a while, just as we stay with an image for a while. What, what's happening now these days, it never happened before. You know, we, we are producing thousands of images and ideas every hour. And, of course, I will say, well, something like the tarot for me is uh, maybe it's a way to filter all that. You, you see all these images, most of them are irrelevant basically because they are one-liners or they are just information. You understand them, you just discard them, right? They lack mystery and maybe one of the reasons why something like the tarot or alchemy or astrology uh, survives is because we, we don't quite get it yet. It, it doesn't matter if we have been, you know, it's like the sky. The sky never gets old and it doesn't matter if we have been looking at it for thousands of years. Every time we look at the sky, we are in awe. So these events, these little images or, or ideas that we can't figure out, those are the ones worth entertaining, staying with for a longer time, right? Not trying to find the next one. And mm. of course, there is a tendency in, a, in, in, in life, in the world, and in the tarot world too, of wanting the next thing. Uh, recently, when I gave that talk, the beautiful bullshit talk, I realized that I had been carrying and looking at this exact same tarot deck for 10 years. Yeah. I haven't looked at any other deck in 10 years with the, a couple of exceptions. And of course, I, I had other decks before, but when people ask me, what, and now, now what are you going to do? I say, well, look at them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, Things only reveal themselves to you if you pay attention and if you sustain that gesture in time. Which, I mean, lately, all this thing about reading tarot, you know, I I was thinking about that, the relationship, the, the distance or the tension between attention and dignity. Because... Every time you give your attention to something, you are acknowledging its dignity. You're yes. saying that thing is there in the world in its own merits, right? So when we look at an image and we show it to somebody, and even more, when you look at the detail in an image and you say, look at this, we are not only acknowledging the dignity of that image or that detail, but we are showing the other person that we can pay attention. And then within the idea of paying attention, giving our attention to something, we are basically uh, acknowledging its dignity. So you can look at reality, at life, at everything like that. It's just a little, I mean, the title reading, that moment in which we focus on, on the table and a little images, it's just a rehearsal for a way of looking, for a way of being in the world. And of course, now I don't know what your question was or why I end up here, but... Okay. Well, I, I think that um, this notion of, uh, of being seen, right? I mean, of, of offering to see other people, whether, whether through yes. the cards or, you know, I mean, as we're recording this, we're, we're moving towards uh, Toronto's big uh, weekend of pride celebration, you know, and it's an opportunity to see yes. people and give them dignity. And, you know, as we run into... You know, as I walk through my life, you know, one of the things that I I always uh, do is no matter the circumstance, I I always try and stop and give something to people who are asking on the streets. And if they want to talk, I will, unless there's some really strong reason why I cannot, I will always stop and talk to them. And 
that I think is even more of a gift, you know, because these are the, the these people who people don't want to see, right? And you know, as a as yes. a, a you know the the metaphor of our lives, right? Where we're refusing to look, you know, what what is that in us too? Because we're always these mirrors facing facing the world and facing ourselves, right? And obscuring what we're looking for as we're meandering through this, you know, back to the maze, right? This this hall of mirrors. Yes. Well, uh, yes. I, I mean, my suspicion is that to to read tarot cards, you only need two things. You need to be likable and you need to have an imagination. Mm. And uh, if you can be, you know, can be nice to people, can talk to people in a nice way, and you can basically bullshit your way around the images, you can have a very profound tarot reading. Because maybe what, uh, what the cards give us is the opportunity just to look at somebody, you know, in, or to look at, into somebody's eyes to, to, to say, okay, let's sit here and, and, and talk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, many years ago, I, I used to read at this little cafe in the West Village that was across the street from a little park that uh, was completely populated by, by alcoholics and homeless people. And there was this lady I used to, to see that will come to see me and he, she will walk across this park and she will always stop and talk to this or that guy. They were like regulars, right? And I, I asked her once, okay, well, what, what's going on there? And she said, well, you know, if you talk to the alcoholic, the alcoholic responds. But if you talk to the person, the person responds. And I, I found that to be an extraordinary lesson, you know. Mm. Um, th- th- yes. So, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, and again, you, just, you have the, even, even the, the shape of the card suggests a bridge, right? You lay down a card on the table, you're lowering a bridge, so you're allowing the other person to cross or to meet you in the middle. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to... You know what? I never read the cards for myself. I have never done that. And I have nothing against people who do. I mean, it's okay. But I, I never felt the need to do that because I think that the bridge is incomplete without the other end, right? There has to be the other person there. And then it, it doesn't, I don't think it's about being an expert. I don't think it's about knowing. We know our our stuff because we love what we do and we want to know. It's mm-hmm. not a, a duty. It's a pleasure. But at the end, when you're there, you are looking at these images with somebody. And then it's a shared experience, right? And mm-hmm. that experience is what you're really offering. And of course, there is that layer of images in which images talk to the other person, they talk to you, and we have an experience of an image that is independent, individual, then we need language just to share the experience with all the problems that that implies in terms of how they, they can talk an image out of itself or they can mm-hmm. you know, twist out the experience. But even so, I think that the whole point is about being present and being uh, available to the other. Yeah, it reminds me, I mean, to, of when you walk into a building with somebody, you know, Yes. There's the shared experience of the space, right? And there's the conversation that happens there. But for the for the creator of the space, for the architect, there's nothing if there's not people inside, right? Yes. It needs to be interacted with. And I think that the cards need that interaction and that play in one way or another. I agree. Yes. They are I mean they're there to be used. And one way we have to make Images useful is that, well, we make them about us. We say, ah, that's, it's not that, that's me in this and that way. And, I mean, we have to take it with a pinch of salt, but yes, it's, it can be useful. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, if the, what have the cards made you think about lately? Because I know you don't read for yourself, but you spend time with them nonetheless, right? Yes. Well, I mean, lately I have been mostly 
I mean, first, I, I'm trying to come to terms with the fact that I can't tell the difference between abstract and concrete. Every time I think I know what that means, I realize that I, everything that people think is abstract, it's very concrete to me. And at the same time, when people say this is really concrete, it's absolutely abstract, right? In terms of experience, in terms in of... Everything, experience, in, in terms of the an object stands in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But also memory, you know, it's a, memory is like a, a, a light source that allows you, it's like a lantern, right? You look at something through memory and you shade light and this thing that you, you want to look at it again. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's constantly um, being recreated because it's not really the way you're seeing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I have been, I mean, I have been thinking in that and I don't know, I have been thinking a lot and on what people call coincidences or other people dismiss them as synchronicity. Mm. You know, I, I hate the word synchronicity because I feel that everybody, every time somebody says, oh yes, that's synchronicity, they are basically killing that conversation. It's like as if we know what we are talking about, so there is no need to talk about it anymore. Sure. It's uh, and, God works in mysterious ways. Yes. Ends the conversation, right? There's nothing left to say at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So thinking about I, that. I mean, I mean, I think that uh, coincidence, poetry, being in the moment, you know, when, when I hung out with you, uh, I had spent the weekend looking at cards with other people, right? You know, yes. I've been at this tarot conference with, you know, heaps of people and done and received, you know, six or seven readings, uh, received six or seven readings and done like, I don't know, 10 or 12 or more maybe. And when we sat, we, we other than I showed you some a deck that I had, we never looked at the cards but everything that was significant as the distillation of my reading for the weekend emerged in our conversation from you and pulled it all together into a story. So what is that? Well, but I, I think, you know, yesterday I'm very happy about this. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you. Yesterday I had this woman who wrote to me and she described a dream she had. And in the dream, I show her a box and inside of the box, there was a fox, a living fox, right? And I told her to, to pet the fox, but she, she grabbed me by the arm and said, no, this is not right. This is not the way it works. And then I liked very much that she said, and then I, I, I dream of other things. And then I woke up. And then I was livid, really, really angry at myself for not petting this fox right i lost instead of staying with that i started dreaming of other nonsense and i i kind of lost track of the opportunity i had and this is a person who actually is kind of obsessed with foxes right Mm. but then she also wrote and she said but you know i have been feeling really sick and now i'm better i'm taking these antibiotics and but i think the, the the antibiotics killed my my imagination Mm. and I need you to do something for me about that. And I I looked into a dream dictionary just for fun, and I realized that, you know, a a fox is in in theory a bad omen because it means that somebody's about to con you. It's a conning figure or that old that is deceptive and all that nonsense. But then this dictionary says something, they say, except if the fox is trapped. When the fox is trapped, it means that any opposition to, to your impulses, to your desires, will disappear. So I show her that and I told her, I already trapped the fox. Now the rest is up to you. Hmm. And of course, it was a very pleasant reading, I guess, in hmm. which it just happened right i mean it, it, you work with whatever is there 
I enjoy very much when those little moments occur. And again, I mean, in a, I cherish them because you may have days and days of kind of regular readings in which you are just having a conversation with people about the images, about what they are feeling, about this and that. But then there are those moments in which you really have beautiful symmetries between the cards and life and between reality. And you see these alignments, you know, of a sign or a symbol in time, in space, something appears over and over and over. And of course, then in a sense, maybe at the moment, I think at the beginning, we're obsessed about the image. Everything that is going on inside of the image is very important. We want to know everything. We pay attention to that. We want to learn. We obsess over the image. At some point, you realize that there is a space in between images, which is where things happen. Uh-huh. And it's a form of poetry there in the transformation of, of, uh, of symbols or materials from one card to the other. And then you obsess about the space between the cards and uh, one card and the other. But then there is a moment in which you realize that there, there is also space between the cards on the table and life. And there is also that gap in which magic happens, in which, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, the, a symbol is insisted upon us, a certain alignment of ideas comes and we remember like I don't know if I mentioned to you this guy so recently who always gets the tower okay and he came to me and say I have a question for you and the question I, I always get the tower and I thought this was beautiful because he was a literary character right I mean the man who always gets the tower should be in a novel somewhere uh-huh. and of course I put the cards on the table he pu- pulled the card and he picked the tower. And then we talked, and when he left, he took a cab, and then he sent me a picture. The car, right in front of his, the plate said tower. Huh. So you have this, it's, it's beautiful, it's almost like Jorge Luis Borges, you know, the writer. He's a character from, a, from that world in which, which is completely haunted by this um, image or this idea. And... At the moment, I'm mostly interested in those things. Hmm. So if you were a character in that world, which, which person are you? Where? In the, um... so, so if this, this person was the man who always gets the tower, which person are you? What's, what's, your, what's your character? What's your thing at this point in time? I'm just a witness. I feel that I'm... I mean, I, I tried my best to sit at the edge of the circle uh-huh. outside of the circle looking in looking at all these things that happen and deriving an extraordinary pleasure at seeing them being uh, yeah being a witness to them which of course sometimes people are really urged for a explanation right why why is this happening why do i get the power or this woman i saw today that always gets the empress why 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 and i feel many times well it's it's just a natural event it's part of nature Hmm. so this recurrence of a sign is just a natural happenstance so just enjoy it the way you enjoy a sunset the way you enjoy going to the grand canyon and, and looking at the immensity of that void just sit back and look. It's just wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, in some ways, it's karmic, right? This is this is the story you're living right now, this symbol, whatever that, that is, right? Yes. But the emergence of this symbol is karmic, right? And, you know, we, we, we can sit and look and be like, oh, you know, why why is the sun always, or why is the moon always changing but periodic? What does that tell us? You know, and it, it tells us tells us something about its nature, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything to us. Perhaps it does, depending on your your feelings about astrology. But well, no, and even I mean, uh, astrology you you're already taking it a few steps in a certain direction. But you you just look at the moon, and it changes all the time, and you you understand impermanence. Right? Mm-hmm. You understand that things move around, that things are, are not always, they don't look always the same way. I mean, I think that, for example, the I Ching is, is uh, so uh, powerful 
were so attractive precisely because they understood how to codify nature into something that could be made about us. Mm-hmm. But when we actually read these sentences, when we look at these ideas, we recognize them as something. Yes, of course. Yes, we have been in front of a river. Yes, we have seen a cloud. Yes, we know how fire works. So it's mm-hmm. familiar at the same time. And of course, there is, again, it's, as with the, with, the, with the sky, these things that are never, never, that they never get old, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I, it's, it's, um, I'm always the witness. That's what, what I like to be. I'm always looking at listening. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I can ask you, how does, that, uh, how does that fit with being a father? Well, I mean, I think that to be a good father or parent, you have to be a conman. You become a conman. Because maybe this applies to everything in life, but the moment the other sees you coming, you fail, mm. right? The moment they, they can set themselves to offer a resistance to what you are going to offer because they know what you're going to say, you fail. So you have to surprise them, catch them off guard constantly. And, you know, you, they, are, they expect to be, be giving a lecture on this and that and you talk about the weather. And then they kind of know, what? What's happening here? You're, you, you're supposed to be mad. So you come, you know, from the other direction and then you, you affect whatever effect you could or you want. So I, I see my relationship, I mean, with my kids all the time, I'm trying to surprise them. Uh, because again, otherwise, I mean, it's not, if you know what's coming, you, you are already in a better position to offer a, a resistance to it, but also it's not memorable, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I, I think we have talked about this. I, I think, I mean, I see magic as a form of um, subversion, right? Subversion of reality. And you can say, well, if I make a coin appear or vanish, I'm subverting the laws of physics, even if we know that's a trick or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I can uh, change somebody's perception about something, well, I'm still subverting that reality, right? So yeah. it's a little bit like, you know, we think we know where the lines that define reality are, where they have been drawn. And, and a magician basically moves the line a little bit. And I, I like that to be just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it's not that you twist the line and turn it into a, a circle. Because then people, yes, there could be a great amazement about that. But I think that the point of moving the line just a little bit is that when the person want, wants to or is about to stand on the line, assuming that the line is there and finds that there is nothing, there is just a moment mm. in which we lost footing in reality. And in that moment, we question everything. And sometimes it just lasts a fraction of a second, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. But in that moment, everything is possible. So I'm, I'm, I'm both with people and with my kids. I'm all the time. And I mean, I'm not saying that I, I, I have turned my life into a, some sort of sideshow, you know, performance. <laughs> and all the time I'm pulling rabbits out of my sure. hat or anything. But yes, you, you want the, the, especially because with kids, you are, kids are a window that you are forced to keep open towards the world, right? Every single problem we had as kids growing up with, with bullies, with uh, social pressure, with uh, fashion, with whatever you, you felt too fat, too hairy, too dumb, too fast, too slow. Now we are dealing with them again. Only mm-hmm. that now we deal with those problems through our kids, which is worst because at some point, you, you, you know how much pain can you take. You don't want your kids to take the pain. So taking sure. pain through your kids is really horrible. 
Yeah. And more, and, and, and to the point, sometimes you just have to watch them go through it. Be like, yes, dude, I know how much it sucks. I remember it sucking. Exactly. I remember being mad about this and you're right. It sucks. And I got nothing for you. That's it. Yes, yeah. exactly. But then, yes, but I, I, I have learned to instill in my kids a certain suspicion about reality mm. and a certain suspicion about what people say life is or should be. So yeah. they can, again, move the line a little and say, mm, maybe, maybe that all the stuff you're trying to give to me is yours. It's not mine. Maybe it's not the way you're saying. I don't have to believe that that's, you know, the limits of happiness, the limits of fulfillment, all that yeah. nonsense is really there. It's been, it's been interesting for me because I've been dealing with a lot of stuff with my, with my kids and their school and conflicts and stuff like that. And one, one of the things that, that has surfaced a lot is think this, this back to this like concrete and subjective, right? You know, yes. it seems like the people in authority are, having concrete statements, concrete decisions are, are expressing concrete facts. But when you sit and look at it, it's as subjective in many ways as everybody else's parts of the stories. Right. Yes. And there's this, you know, there's this tendency when you start looking at um, what, what are the, what are the story elements that, that, you know, don't belong. Right. Like why, why did the man who always get the tower, you know, also get chased by a little dog. That's not part of the story. That's a different story, you know, or whatever. Right. And when you start highlighting these things, then you can see everybody's ground start to shift and you watch, you know, these, these people sort of start to dance like, Oh, but, but what, you know, like, dude, like, look at these things. Look at it. The ground isn't what you thought it was. It's something else. Yes. And then, and then all of a sudden stuff starts to, as you say, Maybe make some space to move. Maybe make some space to reassign meaning. And, you know, especially because some of this I've been doing in front of my kids as an opportunity for them to understand that, that there's a possibility to, to shift these things that seem super concrete, especially, especially if the perspective is that they're not. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, we, yeah because I, most of the, I mean, we, we have a, an extraordinary faith and a lot of imaginary things, and I don't mean God or religion or anything like that. I, I mean, you know, a, a, a house uptown, upstate, or, or, you know, this or that college, or having the certain, a certain wife or husband. Those are all imaginary conceptions in terms of how they actually guarantee happiness or some sort of fulfillment, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me, what, what do you uh, say when people want the solution? Oh, yes. No, I, I, that's the point I want to make. I think what I like about the alchemist is this idea that nobody can give you nor sell you the, the philosopher's stone. You have to find it on your own. Mm-hmm. So there is no recipe. There is no solution. Yeah. Of course, Marcel Duchamp there will say there is no problem because there is no question or there is no solution because there is no problem. And uh, right. sometimes it's true. I mean, life... I. I of course, I'm a weird person because I have no faith in daily life. I, whenever any, any form of happiness that daily life brings me, I assume it's just pure and mere chance. I'm not expecting daily life to be anything but what it is. So it's lovely when, when it's nice, but mostly I'm, I'm always looking for some sort of sublimation of that, right? Beauty, poetry. So we've been having a little internet connection here uh, issue. And as we had this issue, we were talking about uh, uh, happiness and wellness and the new age and how uh, wellness is just a new age, a new new ageness. And in some ways, there's a, a con behind it all because uh, happiness is... is transitory perhaps and wellness is transitory and is that where you're headed with that or well i think that happiness is is an american invention i don't know what happiness is 
You know, I mean, we're we are constantly told that we must be happy, which I don't know what that is. But also because basically the way I see it is that, I mean, I don't think you can search or aim at those things. Uh, I mean, if you are cooking uh, and you make something, you put together something that is nice, maybe you find beauty and happiness. But if you set up to find happiness through cooking, you're probably going to fail. Mm. You know, I think it's something you find in the smallest gestures when those gestures in themselves carry a weight in their own. Again, I think it's about dignity. When you, when you can, you know, give dignity to the things you are using, yeah, eventually you find beauty and eventually you may find solace and maybe eventually you may find something that maybe is called happiness or being content. But yeah, there is... Uh, it's a weird thing because maybe the problem is not that we need to search for happy happiness. The problem is that most people are not happy where they are. It's not what we don't have. It's that we don't, what we have is not necessarily fulfilling. Uh-huh. But again, I have no, I don't know if I have a solution or any solution. I have my own solutions, right? And I don't know if they work for anybody else. Uh-huh. That's maybe the, the point I wanted to make is that you, Nobody can give it to you. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that people ask me a lot is, um, you know, because I do magic and spirit work for for other people, right? People are always asking, well, but what do you do? What's the thing? You know, they come in the shop and they're like, what's the thing that you do that, that, you know, made you more successful or whatever? And especially over the, the arc of time, most of my magic I kind of phrase as identity magic now. Okay. And so what that means is I'll take a picture of myself and redraw myself over it the way that I want to be. Not even like what I want to have, but the way that I want to be or how I want to experience it. Or, you know, I'll take, I have a, a sort of collection of symbols that represent different aspects of myself at all like redraw them in a different pattern to move my consciousness around. Or sometimes I take a Sharpie marker and draw them on my arms sure. in, a, in amongst my tattoos as a way of redefining how I'm going to experience the world through the filter of my identity at that moment. And those works aren't lasting. They're, they're transitory rearrangements in the process, but they're, you know, with some semblance of awareness of it, you know? Yes. Yeah. yeah, but that's, yes. I don't know. I mean, I feel that, I mean, I, I lately I have, a, I have been thinking a lot of the fact that eventually you end up whatever you end up. And mm-hmm. that's, maybe that's not where you want it to be or what you want it to be, but it really doesn't matter. Because wherever you end up is where you are. And right. as long as there is a, an opening, a, a conversation with reality around you, then you're probably in the right place. Um, so I, I don't aim at anything. I don't push anything. I don't want anything. I am just here. And I'm open to whatever is happening around me. And um, it's not because I'm a Buddhist or a Zen or anything. It's because somehow... Are you um, sure? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was talking to a priest a few weeks back and he told me he had to write um, a sermon about truth. And, he's, and, and I asked him, okay, what about it? How, I mean, what, what's that? And he said, well, you know, truth is a gift from God. It's not something you can pursue. It's not something you can acquire. It's just gifted. It's given. At some point, you see the truth. And I, I took a napkin and I wrote uh, that poem by a Zen master. It's called Senhai. And the poem is it's a famous poem, but it's a circle, a triangle, and a square. And I asked him, you mean this? And of course, he was completely taken aback, right? And I guess something that is really important to me in that regard is the, the, the problem between, again, between images and language, between experience and language, 
and we keep asking about the meaning of life. And we have this question that we ask constantly, which I think is always the wrong question, unless you're a plumber, maybe. And the question is, why? Why? Uh-huh. Why this? Why? why? There is no why. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, when people think in terms of the meaning of life, that meaning usually is expressed through language. The moment you express that meaning through language, you're moving away from the experience, therefore, is self-defeating. Because yeah. life is what it is. And if you are there, you are there. And mm-hmm. the more you think about it, the more you question that, the more you reason, the more away you are from the experience. So, of course, that if, you, if we go back to the tarot, that's why I always say that I'm always looking for that reading where I put the cards on the table, the person nods and goes home, right? The reading where no words are necessary because the person can be there with the images in the experience. But also in terms of life, I do feel that there is a, there is a I, I'm, I'm, I know there is an extraordinary beauty around us all the time. You know, I was thinking the other day about, you know, Jehovah Witnesses, that go around preaching and they said, you have five minutes so I can tell you about Jesus or whatever. I I was thinking, it would be fantastic to do the same with with yellow, to stop people in the street. Do you have five minutes so I can tell you about yellow? It's just such a beautiful Uh color and it's out there for everybody. We can all have an experience of yellow. There is a beauty in the world that we can all achieve, access, witness. Most of the time, exist and happens in a space outside of language. It's just there. Sure. I mean, I think that all, all the good magic and all the good readings, they bring us back to that mystery and to being present. Yes. Right? They take us out of that distraction and, and you know, projection elsewhere or, or whatever. And they return us back to that sort of process of being present and being with the world and with whatever may be going on. Yes. And yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I call it beauty. It may have many names, but it's, it's that, it's that moment in which you, like the priest was saying, and then you know it. Well, I, I will say, and then you see it, mm-hmm. see it. And there is no way you can explain that or put it into words, you know, like a circle and a triangle and a square. Yeah. I like it. I think what more can be said? Yes. No, it's uh, it's always nice talking to you. Mm-hmm. You too. I mean, I, I never know, you know, lately, I, I am, I always wonder who would want to listen to this. Right, or I was giving that talk, and I, I kept thinking, who could want to come to this thing? Because I, all, all I can do is to tell you things I have been thinking about, but I feel more and more that I have absolutely nothing to teach to anybody. You can, I mean, we can talk about our experiences within this world we inhabit, which is so peculiar. But mm-hmm. the, the, the recipe, the how-to, the put one foot here, the other foot there, and then swing or whatever, I, I don't have that. I don't know how to do that anymore. Yeah. Well, we're not, uh, we're not plumbers, right? It's not an engineering problem. No. Yeah. It's, it's like people often ask me, um, what does this card mean, right? You know, whatever card, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what does this card mean? Or what's the, what's the real meaning of this card? Or, you know, whatever. And... and I I often say to people these days, I have no idea. I don't know what that yes, means. Yes, exactly. And then and then they're like, but 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 you know, because they're like, but isn't this your job? And I'm like, well, if you have a question, and we're sitting down in this specific time and place, and this card comes up in some relationship to other cards or whatever else is going on, I'm like, then we could talk about what it means. But I don't know what it means. I, I don't want to ascribe a meaning to it, right? It's- I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think that, uh, I, I, you know, these days in which everybody has an opinion about everything, the mm-hmm. most powerful words you can say are, I don't know. 
Yeah. You, you say, I don't know, are you clear the room? It's like, you know, it's like a nuclear blast because we are supposed to know everything now, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when it comes to cards, I agree. I completely agree with you. And of course, I will say more than half of the people I see, they come without a question. Mm -hmm. And I always feel that you have to have a question because you have to have skin in the game. It's mm -hmm. like you have to put something on the table. Otherwise, you're just a tourist. Right? You're not right. invested in this. You're mm -hmm. just, I have to entertain you, juggle, juggle these things a little bit to see. And cue, cue the monkey with the organ grinder. Yes. But, um, but yeah, but at the, at the same time, it's true. I mean, I think that they, I guess it goes back to the idea of presence. What was, it's not what the card means. It's what the card is. Mm -hmm. it is that thing that is there and uh, maybe yeah to me that's that's a very important realization that this is this and that's that um, mm -hmm. yeah so before we started recording uh enrique and i were, were talking a bit and there were some pauses in our conversation and we were highlighting how wonderful those pauses were. And so we're going to wrap up our conversation here. But when it stops, I would like you, whoever's listening to this, to just stop, to just leave nothing happening for five minutes and just be in that silence and see what comes from it. Because I think that that would be a wonderful way to proceed forward from this conversation into back into your world and whatever else may come from that. So, uh, there'll be a link for where you can catch up with Enrique in the show notes. And uh, yeah, when this is all done, put, hit the pause button on everything for a few minutes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. As always, my friends, thanks for listening. Hit me up with guests that you think should be on the podcast. Please don't recommend yourself though. And please help me spread the word. Give me a rating in iTunes, share it with your friends, help spread the word. We've hit 40,000 downloads so far this year, and I'm hoping that we can triple that by the end of the year. So if you could facilitate that for me, I would really appreciate it. Talk soon.